Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, You Asked, Why We Believe the Bible, presented by Pastor Floyd Solba on July 3rd, 2016. Glad to see you here this morning at Soul Rio Church. I'm so excited for this morning. You wonder why? Well, why is he so excited? Well, you think about the, the aspect of what we celebrate this weekend. You know, we get to light a bunch of fireworks and have a little bit of a barbecue and do a lot of things. But um, really, like the song that we just sang, we have freedom. We have been free from sin, free from a lot of things, free from the bondages of this world. And uh, so I'm excited this morning that we get the opportunity and the privilege to gather together as the church, as the body of Christ, to sing God's praises, to encourage one another, to have fellowship, and to uh, enjoy all the great things that God has for us in this life. You know, one of the things that I was reminded of this last weekend, um, I don't get on Facebook too much anymore. Um, I got in a little bit of trouble with that. You know, it became a little addictive, if you know what I mean. I know you guys know what I mean, because I do get on and check you. But, uh, so I got on this last week, and someone shared a little post about, uh, shared a little uh, article about the church and, and being a family. And I just want to just start out this morning. It has nothing to do with my message this morning, but I just, I just want to start out by saying thank you. I know Jason came up here and, and said thank you to all of those that were a part of um, the youth group and a part of this last week with the retreat and, and all the great things God did and through it. But there's just so much that happens, so many things that go on here at Soul Rio Church, not only inside these four walls, but on the outside of these four walls as we live our lives in reflection of who Jesus Christ is. So, so I, I just wanted to stop real quick and uh, just say thank you to each and every one of you that, that serves with all your heart, that loves, you know, out of the love of Jesus Christ, that, that ministers to those that are, you know, in the community and in our jobs and in our workplaces, in our families, um, because the value of that, the impact of that, we may never really see today, or realize, but I tell you what, God does. God knows the impact. God is at work. And just like we talked about last week when we, when we talked about is there a God, God is at work in people's lives. And there is no question whether, you, whether you're having a, a great moment in life, a, a phenomenal season in life right now, or you're at the rock bottom of life. I, I want to remind you this morning that God is at work in your life. God wants to do some things not only in you, but God wants to do some things through you as he carries you through this season. So together, let's celebrate that as a church. Let's remind one another. Let's encourage each other on this journey and help us help each other stay focused on the things that God has called us to do. Can we do that? And that's called just simply one thing. That's called family. It's the family of God. Can we agree to that? Can I hear an amen to that? All right. Thank you. All right. Now we'll get started. So this morning, we're going to kind of look at the question. Last week, we talked about, um, is there a God? And so this morning, we're going to take it to the next step and talk about, what about the Bible? So God has given us uh, this book that we call the Bible. You know, it's the canon of Scripture. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament. And there's a, there's a diverse group of people that kind of looks and studies these Scriptures, this holy writing, this historical document, this thing that we have been given to have a better understanding of not only who God is, 
but who God is in our lives and how that reflects in everyday life. You know, there are many people out there that put a lot of time and a lot of effort into studying the scriptures. Many people out there that really look and investigate God's word. There are many people in the world today in our community that are naysayers. There are a lot of people out there that that are really trying to refute the things that God is saying through his word, through the Bible. A lot of us may um, have friends and family that we talk to and share our faith with that come in opposition, in essence, to what God's word says and the Bible. They may say things like, well, you know what, that's just not true. It's not real. That's just a, a, a little story that someone made up along the way. You know, there's just a bunch of, of fables in there. You know, there's just a bunch of little stories about things that really didn't happen in history. You know, there's people that, that come in opposition of the Bible, and uh, they say some pretty harsh things in reflection of the relevance and the realities and the truths of Scripture. Well, if there is a God then the next step for us is naturally to think about and look towards what we see and understand is God's word. God's voice to you and I. God's voice to the world to help us better understand who this God is and what he desires for our lives. So this morning, if you would grab your Bibles, turn to 2 Peter. It's all the way towards the end there. Um, If you have an iPhone or an iPad, you're welcome to use that this morning. Open that up. We're going to look at 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to look at almost all of that chapter, but I want to challenge you this week sometime to read 2 Peter. It's only a few chapters, and what's transpiring here at this moment with Peter and the church is that there is some opposition to the truths of Scripture. There's some opposition and some different theology that's being taught in the culture that that Peter's in right now. So Peter sends this letter. He writes this letter so that the believers would be reminded of the truth of all of these great things that have transpired through their forefathers and on into the current moment. All the things that people had seen and experienced through the life of Jesus Christ. And Peter is writing this letter to you and I, to us, to help us better understand and to remind us about the truths of Scripture. Well, before we read it, let's pray together. Father, Lord, we we thank you for this morning, this weekend that, that we get to celebrate freedom. Father, I pray that this morning that you would remind us of just how free we are. Father, the freedoms that you've given us in so many ways, Father, the freedom that we can just gather together and and sing your praises, open up your word. We can gather together throughout the week as the body of Christ, as the church, as your family, as your people, and encourage one another through fellowship, through reading your word through encouraging each other. Father, I know that this life can be hard, and this this life, things just happen. There's things in this world that, that are just out of our control. But Father, we know that even in the midst of the storms, even in the hardest of moments, Father, we truly believe and we trust that you control those storms. Father, that you hold us in the midst of those storms. 
So this morning, as, as we reflect on your word, the scriptures, the holy canon that you've given us to have a better understanding of who you are, my prayer this morning is, Father, that you would open our eyes, not so only that we could have some more head knowledge so we can have a bunch of cool facts, but, Father, so that your word would pierce our hearts and that we would be open and through faith that we would just trust and know that you are God. Lord, again, we thank you for the freedom to be able to read your word, to know you, to grow in you, and to share the faith that we have with the world around us. So, Father, we give this time to you, and we pray that you would bless these moments for us. Fill us with your spirit, speak to our hearts, and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Second Peter, if you would, I'd like to start in verse 12, and we're going to read um, a few of these passages, and then we're going to kind of jump around a little bit um, through this, this chapter. So first, I mean, Second Peter chapter 1, excuse me. I think I might have said First Peter, didn't I, there a second ago? So I apologize if I did that. Second Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 12, and it'll be up on the screens also, I think. Um, it says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to, at any time, to recall these things. So, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. I want you to pause there for a moment in, in your Bibles or in your notes, if you would, um, just circle eyewitnesses. I want you to kind of focus on that point right there, eyewitnesses of his majesty. In verse 17, he says, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture come from, comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, as, as we continue in this series, and we kind of, we look and we investigate to find out some of these answers, one of the things that I want to do is and look at the facts for the truth of the Bible. And when we ask the question, what about the Bible? We have to do a little bit of an investigation to discover what about it. You know, what does it mean in our lives? How is it placed in our lives? Why do we have this book? And what do we do with it? Well, the first fact that we have from this passage here that Peter gives us is the authorship of the Bible. If you look at the last couple of uh, passages, verses 20 and 21, he says this, knowing for this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture com comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along 
by the Holy Spirit. See, as a believer, we truly believe that this Bible, the Word of God, was inspired by God. And God used man to reveal it. God used man to share it and to remind us and to help us understand it. But it was the authorship of God himself. See, this verse alone tells us that that man could never do this on his own. You and I, we don't have the power by ourselves to be able to, to understand or even comprehend, much less share the truth of who God is without God. So God used these men to share. And what's interesting, if you notice, as you read the scriptures, as you read through the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, is that these men that God uses, they never claim authorship. They never say, thus says Peter, for I have something for you because I'm very smart and I have an understanding and I know better than you do, so please listen to me. You know, the Bible in the Old Testament, something like 2,000 plus times, you hear this simple statement. Thus says the Lord. Over and over and over again. See, these men never claim to be the authority or the authors of these words. They always pointed to God. They always said, hey, this is what God is saying. This is what God wants for you. This is what God wants for me. He's given us these words so we can have life and life more abundant. You know, I could, I could imagine that just knowing my, my little, little personality that I have at times, um, I'm confessing my sin here to you a little bit, so offer me some grace when I share this with you. But I could imagine if God inspired his word and he gave me this prophetic word, you know, and, and I stood up there, there's got to be a part of me that would probably want to say, hey, you know what? I, I wrote some of that. Yeah, see my name on the bottom right there? It's, it's human nature to do that. But what we see in God's word here is that these men, they never claim authorship. They always say, this is what God is saying. See, these are things, pieces of evidence that God gives us to point that, that he's given us his word. And it's him speaking to us, helping us to understand why he created us. You know, and as Jason will share next week, what is our purpose? As we look to God's word, what are the things that he has for us? As, as he helps us understand our identity in Christ how he shaped us and how he formed us and what he expects from us as his children, as his beloved. See, the only logical alternative, the only thing that we can point to is that God's word is God's words. It leaves no other room to point to in any other direction. It's God's words to you and I. The Bible is reliable and it's true. Well, the second fact that we have here that we can look at in this passage is the authenticity of the Bible. In verses 12 and 13, I love this right here um, because I don't know about you guys, but, but my wife, she has to remind me all the time. Hey, did you remember to do this? Hey, did you forget that? Hey, let me remind you about this. Uh, I don't know, maybe you guys get it right all the time and never forget anything. Yeah, the other day I was getting my coffee at Starbucks, you know, and I bring my own cup. I'm all proud of my little Starbucks cup. Fill up my coffee. Start, I walk away with my cup. 
And uh, about three minutes later, a lady comes up to me really nice and says, hey, you forgot your lid. I forget everything. <laughs> I need to be reminded. You know? It was right there on the counter. Listen to what he says here. Peter says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right as long as I am in the body, as long as I am alive, to stir you up by way of reminder. You may ask yourself, well, what qualities is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the qualities and the characteristics of a Christian, of a believer that walks with God, that looks at God's word and has an understanding of the things that God is teaching us and showing us. If you kind of go back up a little bit in that same passage there in verses 3 and 4. Peter says this, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted, which he has given to us, his precious and very great promises. See, when he says his promises, he's talking about all of the Old Testament scripture, all of those things that God has written and given to you and I. The promise of Abraham and all his descendants. The promise of this covenant that we've entered into as his believers, as his children, as his beloved. He says, by which he has granted to us by his precious and very great promises, so that through them, you may become part because of sinful divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in this world because of sinful desire. See, most people don't realize that we have so much evidence that points to the reliability and the truth of the scriptures. Sometimes, you know, as humans, even as believers, we don't take the time to investigate, to look towards really what is the truth of this? How do we know that this is real? How do we know that this is authentic? You know, a lot of our high schools and a lot of our um, colleges, part of the reading requirements um, in some of the courses that, that our students will take, that some of us have taken, um, will require you to re- requirement will be to read. Um, have you guys heard of a gentleman named, by the name of Homer? You can shake your heads. It's not a rhetorical question. Um, Homer, the Iliad, it's pretty familiar, pretty common, pretty normal reading for a lot of um, people, you know, his writings. Well, you may know this, you may not. But it's one of the most famous books of ancient Greece, all right? It was written, they, they guesstimate, about 800 B.C. And there's not a single person in this culture, Christian, non-Christian, that denies its authenticity. There, there's really not a whole lot of, of people that were willing to stand up and say, hey, you know what, I don't believe that that's real, it's authentic, or anything like that. And it's because of this. Because we have about 640 documents, pieces of documents that point to these writings. You know, copies, if you will, of of this writing. About 640 pieces of that, okay? Which is a lot. You know, they say that they're guesstimating that from the original writing of this Iliad um, to current day, there was a span of of probably at least a thousand plus years before someone actually 
wrote it. And something that we have to understand is, as humans, as people in today's time, because we're so so uh, blessed in what we have as far as technology and the ability to discover and, and to have. Well, in the Old Testament times, the very beginnings of the world, everything was oral. There wasn't, you know, notebooks and notepads. There wasn't pens and pencils. Everything was translated orally. So they had these individuals that would carry it on and they would pass it from generation to generation until they got into a place and time in history as we see into the New Testament times where it started to begin written. And they had these scribes that would write all of these things down. And so history was recorded early on orally. So that's why you see a lot of these big gaps as you do the, the homework and investigate the truths of a lot of the historical documents, the historical writings that we have. You see these big gaps where we don't actually have tangible pieces of paper or tangible writings because they didn't have that. So people believe and trust in the fact of these writings from Homer. But listen to this part. The New Testament alone... There are over 5,000 documents, written documents that we have as proof of the truth of scriptures. We have more evidence, more actual tangible evidence for God's word than we do anything else, any other historical document in history. Over 5,000, actually close to 5,600 pieces current day today that prove and point towards the truth of the scriptures. You know, even Jesus himself in Matthew, he says this. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. See, something that you and I can understand is that God is going to see it through. I was reading in Revelations this last week and just kind of meditating on chapter 21. And I love what what God says as he kind of encourages us in the essence of who he is and what he's going to do. He says he's going to wipe away every tear from my eye. You know, he's going to do some wonderful things. And then he says this, and he reminds us, he says, it's because I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So I'm the start and I'm the finish. And I'm going to see it all the way through. See, God's not going to just leave us here wondering. See, a lot, a lot of us have heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? You've heard that maybe in the news, maybe reading some articles. But we've discovered um, right around 1940s through the 50s, um, 11 different caves that have about 800 ancient scrolls that point to every book of the New Testament except for Esther. That's the only one that we don't have. We, we have all of this stuff that dates back hundreds and thousands of years to help us see the authenticity of God's word, the truth of it. But this is the sad part. And I, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Is that most of us, we, we won't take the time to, to investigate. We, we won't take the steps towards looking and understanding truly what God's word has for us and desires for us. You know, as a, as a people in today's world with the culture that we live in, man, we, we should be, we, we, like the Bible says, we should have a zeal 
for the Word of God. We should be excited to understand and discover, and we should be passionate. We should be driving forward in ways like we've never done before as a people when we know the truths of the Scripture. Well, the next piece of evidence that we have is, is the accuracy of the Bible. And this is really a cool part of what I think that, that we as believers can rest on. Verses 16 and 18 through 18, he says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths, myths excuse me, um, when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this wasn't something that was just made up. It wasn't just this little fable that someone said, oh, that's cool. Let's, you know, share that with our kids and spread it down the road. He says, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the God, our father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. And he's quoting God here. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves... Me, Peter, we ourselves heard this very voice born, born from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. See, there's a lot of people that say the Bible is filled with errors and contradictions, but most of those people haven't even read the Bible for themselves. You know, they're, they're, they're following the pattern of some of these myths, these, these false teachers, these false doctrines that, that kind of evolve in the world and kind of come around full circle. And by the time they, they get to that person, it ends up being truth. Have you guys ever played that, that gossip game? You start, get a big circle of people and first person whispers in the person's ear and says something. And then they go around the whole circle and by the time it gets to the other end, it ends up being something completely opposite of what that first person actually said. See, that's what happens in our world today is that, that someone will say something and then the next person will share it and then it goes on and on and on and it ends up being something that's completely false because nobody along the way takes the time to say, wait a second, that doesn't seem right. I need to look into that, make sure it's true. And that's why Peter says here, we did not follow any cleverly devised myths. We were actually eyewitnesses to this account. We saw and we heard God's voice from heaven. We were with Jesus Christ on that mountain at that moment when he was baptized. See, Peter is helping you and I to see that what fills the Bible is not contradictory to itself, but it is affirming to itself. Every word, every piece of God's word affirms itself. Here's, here's one good example of, of the theology that you'll hear people say. And I'll tell you, it's false. It, it's a false piece of theology. They'll say that, that the New Testament is all about God's grace but the Old Testament is not. And I'll stand here in your presence telling you that is a false statement. Because if you read the Old Testament, if you look at the scriptures all the way through, all that you can see is God's grace, God's testimony of a coming Savior, Jesus Christ. The prophets, the law, all of it speaks towards God's grace for mankind his love, and his con constant, relentless pursuit 
of his grace, his love for mankind. See, we can trust that the Bible never contradicts itself in any way. We can trust in the fact that God gave us his word so we can have an understanding of this love and this grace that he has for all of mankind. You know, the Old Testament alone has over 2,000 prophecies that have actually come, come alive that we've seen and experienced over the last 2,000 plus years. The Old Testament speaks of God's grace for you and I. Well, I want to close with the last couple of, of facts, things what about the point to and look at in reflection to answering the question of what about the Bible? The fourth one is, is the ability of the Bible to transform lives. And from here, we're going to jump over to Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 12. And it'll be up on the screen here for you, and it's in your notes. Hebrews tells us, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. If if you ever memorize a passage or you want to memorize a passage, I challenge you to memorize this one. It's It's a phenomenal reminder for us about the power of God's word and the ability that it has to transform and change our lives. So this morning I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed, my wife isn't in here, right? So I need you to keep a secret, okay? I'm going to pick on her right now. Now she knows I'm going to pick on her, I'm just kidding. You know, I don't know if you guys know my wife's testimony. One of these days I'm going to get her up here and she's going to share the whole thing from beginning to end. Uh, she's got a phenomenal testimony of God's, God's love and grace in her life. My wife was raised a Buddhist. Uh, even though she looks Hispanic, um, she is Japanese and half Anglo. And so she has no Latin or Hispanic in her. Um, mostly Japanese just because she was raised by her mom, a single parent. Um, her mom is full Japanese. If you guys know anything about the Japanese culture, a very prideful culture, you know, a very, it's all about family. It's all about following tradition. It's all about honoring your mother and your father and living a life that reflects the things that they carried on and passed on to the generations throughout generations. And so her mom and her were very, very close, very, very close growing up because like I said, she was a single mom, divorced, and uh, Janice stayed with her. And uh, she raised her, and they became very close. Fast forward a bunch of years, and uh, Janice was about 27 years old and, and uh, 28 years old, and, and she gave her life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to let her fill in a lot of the other blinks for you. About a year or two into her giving her life to Jesus Christ, she had just begun the journey of, of just discovering what God had for her and had in store for her. And uh, she started to read her Bible. It took her about a year or so. You know, the Bible was just a book for her. It was meant nothing, you know, didn't mean a whole lot. But she began to actually kind of start asking some questions, which asking questions is great. And so she, she decided one day, she says, I'm just going to open up the Bible. Wherever it lands, I'm going to read And so she did. Well, she began this journey, and she started reading God's Word. You know, we would talk about it as a married couple, and we would discuss some of the things that each other were were reading and, and talk about the things that, you know, maybe we were learning and all that good stuff. But, but I remember vividly one night as we were just sitting in our house and just talking about the Bible and, and all of that it's had in it. 
And Janice sat there and she just kind of looked at me with a, with a little tear in her eye. And she says, you know, I never realized, I would have never have began to, to really comprehend or understand the power of the Word of God. See, to me, it was just another book. To me, it was just something that those silly people did that just wasted time. And these were her words. She said, as I read it and I see how it applies to my life, I see all the things that it says about life and understanding. She says, I will never be the same again. See, that's the power of God's word. And many of you, many of us have experienced that. See, God has used his word to pierce our hearts, to change our lives. See, as we read it and we understand it, and as we grow in it and we discover it, God uses it to change us. It's not just knowledge. It's not just things that we have that we can just, you know, quote a scripture because it's something that we do in Sunday school. See, we have it here because it's impacted us here. It's changed us. It has the power to change lives, to transform. I I love the little cheesy little statement, change lives, changing lives. Because I, I believe that's a simple statement that communicates it all for you and I. I am a changed life that God is using to change lives. And it's by the power of his word, by the power of his Holy Spirit that speaks in me and through me. And God uses me to share that in the world around me with friends and family and whoever he puts in front of me. Well, the last thing is the acceptance of the Bible by faith. A big part of that is faith. And I want us to flip over to Romans chapter 10 and uh, look at that. I told Jeff I would be finished sooner, but I do want to get to this. I'll go as quick as possible for you guys through this, um, Romans chapter 10. You get a chance this week in your notes there. I didn't put it in your notes. I just said read chapter 10 this week. But I truly believe that you have to respond to God, to his word, in faith. You have to respond in faith. And in verse one of chapter 10, it says this, it says, brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, not just so that they can be smart for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own. Did not some did not submit to God's righteousness. See, when it's just up here, There's no humility here. There's no heart change. And then in verse 14, he says, How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? See, when we preach, we don't preach Floyd, we don't preach my wisdom. We preach the word of God. We share the truths of scripture with those around us. And then in verse 20, he says, Then as Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. 
I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. See, we have to take that step of faith to trust. See, we have to to come out of our our comfort zone, the place that, that we find our rest and step into a place of the unknown, a place of faith, trusting that that God wants to do something in us through his word and something through us through his word. And I love this back up again to verse 9, Romans 10 still. And he says, this is the reason why. I want you to listen to this passage closely and then we're going to pray together. That God raised him, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, it's a step of faith. You have to believe and trust. For with a heart one believes and is justified and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. This morning as we close and as we pray, I want you to bow your heads with me. And I just want to ask you the simple question. And it's a rhetorical question. I want you to answer it on your own. What about you? What about you? Have you responded to the Bible in faith? Have you put your trust in God's word? Have you put your trust in in Jesus Christ? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? I want to ask you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come up front. I'm not going to ask you to to step away from your chair, but I am going to ask you this. As you ask the question, what about the Bible? Is there a God? I want to ask you to do this. I want you to take a step of faith. Wherever you are in your journey, if you, if you believe there's a God, if, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, then amen. Praise God for that. But God doesn't want to leave you right there. He's not going to leave you where you sit. God wants to change your heart. He wants to change your life. And he wants you to take a step of faith and move beyond wherever you are at today. There's an old song that I used to love. Um, and it simply says this. It says, Lord, move or move me. Don't ever let us be complacent. If you've never taken the step of faith to believe in Jesus Christ, to walk with him, to seek his word, to have an understanding of, is there a God? Is he real? And I want to ask you this morning to take that step of faith. Father, we we thank you for the freedom to worship you. We thank you for the freedom to, to open up your holy word, the scriptures, the canon, the things that you've given us through the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, the revelation of your grace and your mercy for mankind. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would show us that grace, that you would reveal to us the mercy that you have for us with an outstretched hand, Father. We reach out to you and we seek you. We call upon your name, Father. We ask that you would save us, that you would redeem us and that you would restore us in your presence, Father. Father, forgive us of our sinfulness. Forgive us of our disobedience. Father, we have gone astray. 
we come back this morning and we ask for your forgiveness. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. I pray that as we take these steps of faith, as we go on this journey, Father, that that you would guide our every path, that you would show us each and every way, whether it's a right turn or a left turn, Father, that you would ordain every moment for us. Father, we trust you and we know that you are faithful. We love you and we praise you. We give you glory all in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.